Yeah, a lot of truth in that video, amen? amen? Especially the truth about how much we love, admire, respect, and value our moms. Your moms are pretty stinking amazing. And there's no other person in your life like your mom. No one else even comes close. Moms are selfless, unbelievable, and moms are irreplaceable. And so to all the moms out there, uh, stepmoms, adopted moms, foster moms, and unofficial moms, uh, thank you for being you. And listen, if you are in a room right now and there's a mom in that room, I want to encourage you to give them a great big, I love you a ton kind of hug. So go ahead and do that. Give your mom a hug, you know, let her know how much you appreciate her and love her, right? Maybe massage your feet as she sits in the, in the chair today, all right? Let them know how much, they, how much they mean to you. Amen. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father God, we thank you for, for moms. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifices that they make. Um, for the moment of conception, Lord. Uh, the things they go through, the things they endure, God, uh, for their children. And God, I just lift up the moms of you. May they feel your pleasure. May they feel your presence. And God, I pray that any mom right now that's just not feeling so good um, about herself or maybe is under a lot of stress, God, that you would just wrap your arms around her and let her know that, that she's doing a lot better um, than she thinks she is. And let her know that she's not alone, God. So God, just give them strength and encouragement today, and we thank you so much for them. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> you know, I, I think that anyone, <clears throat> hold on, I need to breathe. I was a minute late today, running around with some last-minute ideas, having people cut stuff out from me, printing stuff that I couldn't find, and uh, I just need to breathe. Breathe, Steve, right? Everybody breathe with me out there in TV land. All right. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that anyone would disagree with me that these are extremely trying times. I mean, this COVID-19 shutdown, stay-at-home, economy-destroying times are difficult for everybody. And perhaps even there are some moms out there that are beginning to feel uh, the weight of everything that's out there. In fact, maybe you can relate to these words written by Thomas Paine in 1776. Uh, they were the opening words of a pamphlet that he wrote in an effort to stir up revolutionary spirit within the colonies. He said this, uh, these are the times that, <clears throat> these are the times that try men's souls. And, and the rest of the quote is, is really good as well. Uh, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in the crisis shrink from the service of his country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of man and of woman. These are times that try men's souls. And again, it's Mother's Day, and usually 67.943% um, of the time, I share a message designed for and specifically for moms. However, 32.05% of the times, I share a message that is, is for everybody. And so Mother's Day 2020, I have decided to take the 32.057% path and share a message that's for everyone as we continue our series, Name Above All Names, a, a series where we are we're unpacking the various names and titles of Jesus in an effort to know better the one that we have chosen to follow. And listen, here's the deal. 
And and it's the truth. Knowing Jesus better is the exact thing we need right now in these difficult, troubled, and uncertain times. And so far in the series, we've looked at two titles. The Word Became Flesh and Mighty God Emmanuel. Uh, Two conversations that looked at both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. And uh, important messages, they're still online if you want to check them out. But this morning, we're going to unpack a title that is found in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, Prince of Peace. And listen, you don't understand that when Isaiah wrote these words, when he penned these words 700 years before Christ came, that things were pretty rough for God's people. Wars, famine, struggles, corruption in the government, corruption in the religious leadership. And to make matters even worse, many people had had turned away from God. By the way, that's not a good idea, especially in a crisis. And so God has Isaiah paint a picture, hey, you turned away from me, and and here is what your soon coming future will look like. Uh, Distressed and hungry, they will roam through the land. When they are famished, they will become enraged, and looking upward will curse their king and their God. Then they will look toward the earth and see only distress and darkness and fearful gloom, and they'll be thrust into outer darkness. Now, that's not a pretty or pleasant picture at all. Distressed, hungry, darkness, fearful, gloom. Uh, Maybe it sounds familiar, which is why I so love the very next word that begins at Isaiah 9, verse 1. Nevertheless. Look at someone and say, nevertheless. 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 In other words, even though times are dark and difficult and uncertain, Even though you have turned your back on me and sought life and security and other things, nevertheless, one day your Savior and Messiah will come. And when he does, when he comes, things will be dramatically different in your life. Question, could you use some different in your life? And then he paints this picture of what will happen when Messiah comes, when Jesus comes and establishes his kingdom. Very next words are, Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, which were the northern part of the kingdom, which were the first to suffer when Assyria came down and invaded the land. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. You see, those areas that had suffered the most were the areas that Jesus did most of his ministry. And then we read these words that are also quoted by um, Zechariah, after his son John the Baptist was born, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the days of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bars across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning and will be fuel for fire. What powerful images. And then we come to that Christmas card verse. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And let's pause for a moment there. When he uses that word government, it's not like government like we think. It's more about a rule, a a dominion, a a new way of living. In fact, I think what Jesus is talking about, he's talking about his kingdom, the kingdom he established, a kingdom that is about the rule of God in the hearts of men. 
Remember the prayer that he taught us to pray? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And the word prince means ruler, captain, head, overseer, keeper. Now, Jesus is the keeper, the overseer of peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. There will be no what? There will be no end. And listen, this is really important for you to get. You need to hear this. Uh, understand, the more his governing, the more his rule and reign increases in your life, the more you let Jesus have his way in your life, the more your peace will increase. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Isaiah continues, he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on, when Jesus comes and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yeah, you know what? It, it seems like, like God is pretty serious and pretty excited about peace. I, for one, am glad that he is. Amen? Now, as we go through this conversation today, I, I, I want you to think about three questions. Number one, what is it that gives you peace? Like, where do you go to find it? And number two, what is it that is destroying or robbing or taking your peace right now? What is threatening in your peace? And number three, do you know anybody and maybe you're one, do you know anybody that could use some peace? Let me pray us into the message. Father, right now we pray for your presence and your spirit to be here in a powerful way. And Father, I pray especially for those, those of us, God, who right now would say that peace is not a word that describes their life. They're tied down and bound by worry and anxiety and concern and stress. And Father God, I pray that your word and your truth will breathe life, God, into them. In Jesus' name, amen. And I know you're waiting for me to tell you, here's how I want to attack our conversation, right? We don't have conversations. We attack them here at Maple Grove. And I want to do that by answering three questions. And always remember, um, comments you can make out there, right, on your thing. And remember when I say Get it, you say got it, and if I remember, I'll say good, right? And I, I say amen a lot. You can amen, you can type amen, but amen just means you agree with what I'm saying, right? You feel me? All right. Okay, here are the three questions we're going to answer. Peace, what is it? Peace, where is it? And peace, how can I actually live in it? And let me tell you, once I tell you what peace is, you most definitely are going to want to live in it. Okay, let's do this. Now, peace in Isaiah chapter 9 is the Hebrew word shalom. It is used around 242 times in the Old Testament. And its uh, Greek equivalent, arene, is used 92 times in the New Testament. So that's what, that is 334 times God talks about peace or shalom. Now, I'm sure that, like me, a lot of you watching have heard that word Shalom before. Uh, go ahead and raise your hand if you, if you have heard that word shalom. 
But listen, I got to admit that before this week, I had no idea of the depth and richness of this 4,000 plus year old Hebrew word. I I mean, I I knew it meant peace, but I thought it was kind of just like a greeting. You know, you see somebody, you know, you say shalom, right? You're hanging out with somebody, you know, and you're about to leave them and you say shalom, goodbye. You're kind of like peace out. Now, the way you do peace out, I looked this up with Urban Dictionary, right? Peace out, you take your fist, you hit your chest two times, peace out, right? All right. Peace out, brother, right? See, I did it right, all right? Don't take it out with me, take it out with Urban Dictionary, very reliable source on the internet, right? Absolutely reliable. And, and that was pretty much all I knew about Shalom. Hello, goodbye. However, this week, the, the more I studied this word, This concept of the peace that God wants to give us, the more excited I got and the more that I wanted to have God's shalom reign and rule in my life. You see, shalom, it's not merely the absence of conflict, but it's this idea that something better has taken the place of the conflict. The conflict is gone and something better has come in. And listen, to experience shalom is is to be flourishing, to be complete, to experience wholeness with nothing missing. In Genesis chapter 43, 26 and 27, we find Joseph asking, about his, his, asking his brothers about his father Jacob. He says, is your father well? Is your father shalom? Is your father complete? Is your father whole? The old man of whom you spoke of, is he alive? They said, your servant, our father, is well. He is shalom. He is flourishing. He is complete. He is whole. And then we read in, in Job chapter 5, verse 24, uh, you shall know that your tent is at peace, is at shalom, and you shall inspect your fold and miss nothing. When you go out and look, and all your sheep are there, right? And, and none of them are missing. That is shalom. Now, as a verb, to bring shalom means to bring something to completeness. It means to restore the wholeness, that which is broken, so in Scripture, we see Solomon bringing shalom to the unfinished temple. In, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 7, we see that to restore a broken relationship is to bring shalom to that relationship. And here's what I'm trying to say. Life is unbelievably complex. It's full of so many moving parts and circumstances and in relationships. And when any of these are out of, are out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down, and your life is no longer whole, and it needs to be restored. It needs shalom. Peace, what is it? Shalom is to have and to live a life, it's to have and to live a life characterized by flourishing, completeness, and wholeness. Question. Say amen, or type amen, if you would like those three words to describe your life. A stinking man, right? I would love, right? I would love for those words to describe my life. Not for me just to verbalize that. For that to describe my life deep down in my inner being. Hallelujah. Praise God. Just two more quick things about this piece. Uh, Shalom, is a, it's a guiding piece. Uh, Paul writes, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which indeed you were called 
in one body and be thankful. Now, now that word for rule is a Greek word, brabuo, brabuo. Uh, look at someone and say, brabuo, brabuo, all right? Come on, you can say it. <laughs> and, and so, and the word means to, to be an umpire. It means to, to direct, to determine, to decide, to control. And what Paul is saying, hey, let peace let peace be the umpire of your life. Let peace be what directs your life, what determines your life, what determines the next step that you take. Because here's the deal. You got to stop violating your conscience and expect to have God's peace. You got to stop overriding your conscience, right? It's like, well, I don't have peace about this, what I'm about to do, but I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway. Well, don't expect that to bring you peace. You see, God will never use anxiety to guide you. Never. He'll never do that. Now, therefore, the presence of peace is very profound. And the absence of peace is also very profound. Uh, next shalom, it's a, it's a guarding peace. It's a guarding peace. Do not be anxious about anything. Seriously? Like, really? Yeah. That's the command, and we are definitely sinners, right? You know, do not, like, did, Paul, did your pen slip when you do that? Did you mean anything? Does your anything mean, like, anything? Even that thing? Paul says, yeah, that thing too, all right? Do not be anxious about anything. It's God's word, hear it. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That word for guard is fureo, fureo, and, and it mean, I love this word. It, it means to protect by military force to prevent a hostile invasion. To protect by military force to prevent a hostile invasion. I mean, it's like SEAL Team 6 is surrounding your heart and your mind to keep anxiety and worry from invading your heart and your mind. And, and listen, since Paul says, you know, commands us that we are not to be anxious, therefore we can actually do it. And understand, anxiety is not a condition. Anxiety, it's a choice, right? Uh, we can choose, it's a choice that we make to stay in anxiety or to leave anxiety. Next question. Uh, peace, where is it? So have you ever asked that question? Where's the peace? Uh, like if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, where is it? Where's the peace? Where's the shalom? And maybe you have sang that old hymn countless times, you know, that line, when peace like a river attendeth my way. And maybe you're like, all right, I've sung those words, but when is that river of peace going to start to attendeth my way? Where's the peace? You know, I've talked to hundreds of people over the years, <clears throat> I talk to myself hundreds of times each day. And rarely, if ever, have I had someone tell me that, that peace, that flourishing, that completeness, that wholeness are the words that would describe their lives. So where's the peace? I mean, didn't the angels 2,000 years ago light up the Judean sky 
When Jesus was born, singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. A question, to be honest, have you ever read that and thought, yeah, I'm really glad Jesus came and I'm glad the angels are celebrating in heaven that he came? But where is the peace on earth that they sang about? Because I'm not, I'm just not seeing it in my life right now. And I'm not seeing it in the world out there. Where's the peace? In the year 2000, Bono, a member of the Irish band U2, uh, wrote a song about this very thing. Where's the peace? The song is called Peace on Earth. And, and, and he, it was written in response to a bombing that took place in Northern Ireland uh, that killed 29 people. One was a, a woman pregnant with twins. It wounded 220 others. It was the single most violent act of the troubles that are in Northern Ireland. Here are a few of the words. <clears throat> Heaven on earth, we need it now. I'm sick of all this hanging around, sick of sorrow, sick of pain, sick of hearing again and again that there's going to be peace on earth. A little further down, Jesus, can you take the time to throw a drowning man a line? Peace on earth. Tell the ones who hear no sound whose sons are living in the ground. Peace on earth. Good question. What is he asking in that song? Where's the peace? Where's the peace? Because he's like, I'm not seeing it right now. I'm not seeing it right now. I'm not seeing it in this world. It's such a mess. 29 dead. Babies in the womb. Dead. 220 wounded. And I've been to Northern Ireland. I can tell you that 20 years later, that the pain and the lack of peace still linger from those days. Peace. Where is it? Answer, it is where it has always been, residing with the Prince of Peace. Just a few verses, and please let your heart, mind, and soul hear them. Like, let them come alive and active within you. Like, either what I'm about to read is true or it's not. And if it's true, wow. It's the news we need to hear. Matthew 11, 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. John 14, 27. Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. I, I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. Peace? Where is it? I understand, if you're asking yourself that very question this morning, where's the peace, where's the shalom? Where is the flourishing? Where's the completeness? Where's the wholeness? I, I, I want to suggest three reasons why maybe you've not been able to find that peace. Number one, you're looking for peace as the world gives it. You're looking for peace as the world gives it. John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I, I understand 
the peace that the world gives, it's a, it's a fake peace. It's, a, it's an unstable peace. It's a shallow peace. It's a pseudo peace. Question, question. How much money and stuff do you need to possess in order to have lasting peace? How much success and accomplishments do you need to achieve? How much applause do you need to hear in order to have lasting peace? And how much pleasure, how many good times, how many vacations do you need to take in order to have lasting peace? Understand, every single person breathing on this planet is looking for shalom. And listen, there's a reason for that. I mean, God has wired us for that very thing. God has wired us to live in shalom, to live in completeness and wholeness, to be flourishing. Question, where have you run to, what places have you run to to find shalom? I mean, have you ever said, if I just had this, if this were just that, then I would have peace. Listen, the peace the world is calling you to chase after, it doesn't last. It's fake. It's an illusion. It's temporary. And it's circumstantial. I mean, it's like a drug, right? You take it, but then it wears off and you need more. Understand. And some of you need to hear this. Maybe we all need to hear this. You will never find peace. You will never find shalom. You will never find wholeness and completeness and flourishing in money and stuff and success and applause and earthly relationships. You'll never find it in the kind of peace the, the world offers. I'm, I mean, I, I think it's time for us to acknowledge that the peace that the world offers, it doesn't work. I mean, check out some of these recent statistics. They're before even COVID-19. 23 million people in America have been diagnosed with an anxiety disorder. 75% of all visits to family doctors have to do to anxiety and stress. 80% of healthcare is spent on stress and anxiety-related issues. Stress and anxiety-related products and services are a $9.4 billion a year business. Stress and anxiety cost industry $150 billion every year. And stress and anxiety are a, a major contributor either directly or indirectly to heart disease, cancer, respiratory disorders, accidental injuries, cirrhosis of the liver, and suicide, which is the 10th leading cause of death and, and it's a second leading cause of death in our country among people between the ages of 10 and 34. Uh, 48,000 people in our country take their life every year. 1.5 million attempt it, right? You know, and that means that 132 people every day are like, where's the peace? Where's the peace? It's just not... It's just not worth it. You see, we weren't designed by God to not live in his peace. Which is why when people do not have it, they experience all kinds of uh, physical and emotional distress. 
Listen, whatever the world is telling you will give you peace is a lie. It's a lie. They're going to tell you, hey, if you get that job, if you get that promotion, if you get that house, if you get into that college, if you have that relationship, then you'll have peace. Here's what Isaiah has to say about that, or God through Isaiah. They don't know where to find peace. They don't know where to find shalom or what it means to be just and good. They have mapped out crooked roads and no one who follows them knows a moment of peace, knows a moment of shalom. Why can't you find peace? Because you're looking for it as the world gives. Why? Because you are still at war with God. And let me be as clear as I possibly can. You will never have the peace, you'll never have the peace of God until you're at peace with God. You cannot have peace, you cannot have peace without submitting to the prince. Get it? Good. And the good news is that God has done all the heavy lifting in bringing peace to us. In fact, that's why God the Father sent the Son. Because shalom has been God's intent for us from the very beginning. And check out this powerful passage that underscores the unimaginable lengths that God is willing to go to bring his peace to you. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace, that brought us shalom, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all went astray like sheep, and we've turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Understand, Jesus made peace with God possible for everybody. Amen? And let's take a brief trip back to the angels in Luke 2, verse 14. You know that peace on earth passage? It reads, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. There's a, a peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Some versions read, to those with whom God's favor rests, right? It, 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 they didn't come to announce that it would be peace all over the earth because it wasn't very peaceful when Mary and Joseph showed up. It wasn't peaceful when Jesus left. And it hasn't been peaceful for the last 2,000 years. It's been a world full of trouble. But what they promised and sang about is that there will be peace, God shalom, on people for whom God is pleased. And the people whom God is pleased are the people who have faith. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. You see, this peace on earth was for those who would turn their hearts to God, right? A peace on the peace they sang about was a peace that's primarily in here and not a peace that's out there. You see, Jesus doesn't bring peace to our circumstances necessarily, but he brings peace to our hearts. In this world you will have trouble, but in me you will have peace. So lasting peace starts and begins with being at peace with God. Number three, another reason you may have not found peace is because you're projecting upon today tomorrow's cares. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Projecting upon today tomorrow's cares. You ever do that? Right now, are you worried about Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Right? You know, it's not a good idea. And Jesus says, don't do that. You know, when we begin to project tomorrow's worries on today, then we screw up today in a big way. Okay, now let's answer the final question in peace. How can you live in it? 
And this is important if you want to live in it, right? Uh, I mean, this can radically change the peace that you have in your heart, what we're talking about right now. Number one, submit to the Lordship. Submit to his Lordship. Again, like I said, you cannot have peace without submitting to the prince. Uh, there's no such thing as gospel peace without gospel obedience. Isaiah 48, 18 says this, If you only paid attention to my commands, then, peace, then your peace would have been like a river and your righteousness like the ways of the sea. Question. Are, are, there, are there any commands that you are not paying attention to? That you're ignoring? That you're disobeying? Are there any areas of your life that are not under his lordship? You know, your financial life, your relational life, your sexual life. Is there any areas of your life that are not under his lordship? Understand, any time that, that, that we, that you are not in submission to God, what you have is you have two wills. You have two opposing wills within you. You have God's will and your will, and they are in conflict. And when you're in conflict with God, you can never have peace, right? You, you haven't had peace in some areas, but if you have conflict with God in one area, it just seems to spread and seep out into every area of your life and begins to rob you of your peace. As I said earlier, the more his governing, his reign and rule increases in your life, the more your peace will increase, right? The more you allow God to rule your life, the more peace you will have. And here, here's a question. And, and, and if you're smart, I know your answer, the first one. Do you want peace? Do you want completeness and wholeness? And do you want it enough to change some stuff in your life, right? We say we want it. But you want it enough to put some things back under the alignment of being under his lordship. Uh, next, to live in peace, we need to recalibrate our concept of Jesus. I think for most of us, our Jesus is just too small, right? He, he's like a, he's a flannel board Jesus, right? Remember those days at flannel board? That was high tech back in the day, right? I mean, you sat, you would be wild. Right now we got videos, but man, they put this flannel board and have these little stick figures they stick on there, and you're like, that is amazing. There's bees. Wow, there's kids too. Wow, look at the trees. I mean, you'd be blown away. It was high tech. And I think for a lot of us, our Jesus, he's just two-dimensional, right? We have this flat, two-dimensional Jesus that we really don't think can do all that much, right? But as we talked about last week, he's God, right? That he's the one that's before all things, he's over all things, and he holds all things together, right? Jesus said in Matthew 28 that he has all authority on heaven and on earth. Paul says in Ephesians chapter, chapter uh, 3, now to him who's able to do immeasurably more, this guy can't do a whole lot, I'm just telling you. I'm telling you right now, if you have a flat flannel board in the box of Jesus, he's not going to help you all that much. Now to him who's able to do, to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Uh, listen, whatever you're facing, whatever is robbing your peace, you need to ask this question. Can Jesus handle it? Can he handle it? Is he big enough for it? I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Jesus says, become united with me, then you'll have peace. I've overcome the world, and whoever's united in me overcomes the world with me. 
Next, to live in peace, you need to practice diligently faith-filled prayer. He says, do not be anxious about anything. That word anxious means to, to tear apart. And, and what is tearing apart your peace right now? What's tearing it apart? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, you've got to be diligent. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God that, will trans, that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That seems kind of counterintuitive, right? We think it'd be like this. We pray with thanksgiving that we make a request, God answers that request, and then we thank him, right? That seems like the appropriate order. But Paul says we pray with thanksgiving. God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're all-powerful and all-knowing. I thank you that you care about me. I thank you that you're trustworthy. I thank you that you hear my prayers. I thank you that you always know what's best for me. I thank you that you are always working everything out for my good and for your glory. I understand. God always gives us everything that we would ask for if we knew everything that he knows. He always gives us everything that we would ask for if we knew everything that he knows. See, he knows so many things that we don't know. And if we knew those things, we would actually ask for those things. I hope that makes sense to you. If not, just meditate on it this week. Listen, we pray with thanksgiving because we're praying to a God who is trustworthy and has the bigger and fuller picture. And so we present our request to God and we release our burdens to him. You see, prayer does not work unless you release the burden. And you see, we're sheep. We're not meant to carry the burden on our own. Peter says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. It's an awesome verse. And listen to the verse before it. Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Right? It, it takes humility, right, to be able to say to God, I need your help. And if I may quote two great music philosophers, Lennon and McCartney, you're either one or the other song titles when it comes to your burdens. You're either, we can work it out, we can work it out, or we're, help, I need somebody. Help, not just anybody, help, right? One or the other. So we humble ourselves, we cast our anxieties on God, and we need to because we have this enemy who understands anxiety, Extend, understands how destructive it is. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So we give our anxiety and concerns, we release our burdens to him, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So you pray, you practice diligently faith-filled prayers. You, you recalibrate your view of God, right? Uh, things that you need to do. Um, you say, I don't know how to pray. I can teach you to pray in five seconds. Get a piece of paper and pen, write down all the things you're worried about, and at the top, write prayer list. There you go. You know how to pray. It's right there. Um, develop a Godward mindset. Uh, Isaiah 26. You keep in perfect peace, perfect shalom, those whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Question. What does your mind most often dwell on? Is your mind, are your thoughts, are they stayed on God and his word? And I think that's getting harder and harder to do in our world. There's so much stuff going on, right? Uh, back in the day, um, not many people are going to know this, right? Uh, but I, I remember this, that 
around 11 o'clock at night, every news station, they would sign off. Good night, and join us again tomorrow for another broadcast today, 11 a.m. They're gone. I mean, no more. There's no, I mean, you flip the channels, and here's what you got. And by the way, you know, these are dials. <laughs> this is crazy. You got to walk up to the TV and turn these, right? And that's all you got. And nothing till the next day started. Nothing. There was no 24-hour news. There was no email, no text, no Facebook, uh, and no other social media, right? But today, there's so many things that really make it hard for us to keep our minds stayed on God, right? I mean, we wake up. What do we do? We grab our phone, right? We, we, we check our news feed. We check our email. We check social media, right? Uh, we turn on the news. And, and here's the deal. Too much media equals no peace, right? Too much media equals no peace. Okay, stay with me. We're, we're about done, but this is an important conversation. Because I, I want to have peace, and I want you to have peace. When I was in the Navy, I would go, they would shut the reactor down, and we would go inside and do work, and we wore this thing, it's called a pocket dosimeter. And we'd go down to the reactor compartment, do some work, and had to make sure that we weren't catching too many zoomies down there, and we'd read it, and if our exposure got too high, we'd go, it's time to get out. I really wish we had those for ourselves to say, hey, you know what? You got too much media today, too much social media, too much news, too much talk radio, uh, too many posts, too many trends, whatever, too much. Get out. Don't stay your mind on those things anymore. Because when we tune into those things, it's like sometimes we're just waiting for the next bad thing to happen, right? Oh, another push notification. Well, another bad thing. Listen, fear is waiting for the devil to move, and faith is waiting for, for God to move. Uh, understand, your mindset is for you to set, right? Your mindset is for you to set. Now, when Peter had his mind stayed on Jesus, he walked on water. When he had his mind stayed and focused on the storm, he sunk. And, and one of the ways to keep, now there is something great about these things, Right? You know, is the Bible, right? The Bible can be wherever you are. It'll even read it to you, right? If you want to stay your mind on God, right? You want to have peace, got to put a lot more of God's word. Uh, next, depend daily on the Holy Spirit. It's a gift that God gave you when you're baptized into Christ. And it's a gift that God wants to use to help you develop the fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. And, and, and say, hey, Holy Spirit, it's a day. I'm going to face a lot of different trials and difficulties. Would you help me to develop your fruit in my life? Help me to have peace today. Help me to live in wholeness and completeness. Help me to, to flourish today. And finally, you want to have peace? Put on your garment of praise and worship. In Isaiah 61, we read these words about Jesus talking about his coming kingdom, how he releases the oppressed, sets captives free. And I love this word right here. He says, I'm going to start from the beginning. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim freedom for the captives, Release from darkness of prisoners. Sounds like a lack of peace. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of 
joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise. A garment of praise instead of despair. I, I, I'll tell you, you need to put on, you want some peace? You need to put on your garment of praise. You need to put on a garment of worship. You need to spend some time worshiping and praising your God. So many ways to do that. I would encourage you to do that, to praise your God. When you put on that garment of praise, it is a, it is a phenomenal help to cast away anxiety, cast away worry, and to bring on God's peace. So you submit to the Lord, right? You, you recalibrate your, your view of God, right? You, you, you do these things, right? And when you begin to do these things, you begin to have the peace that, that God wants you to have. You pray those, you pray those prayers, you know, believing that God is gonna, that God is gonna answer you. Um, you know, there's uh, there's two offers on the table. You know, I, I got this fancy folder here, right? You know, I'm here to tell you, here to let you know, you know I'm your representative, and that you have two offers today. Um, um, the world's come in with their offer. And, and here's our offer. They're offering you no peace. And they're offering you anxiety and offering you worry. That, that's on the table. They want you to know that they'd like you to take that. And then God also has an offer on the table. He offers you his shalom. He offers you his peace. He offers you fullness, completeness, wholeness, a flourishing life. Father God, we love you and we thank you for this opportunity, God, just to, Lord, to be in your presence. And Father, I pray for those who are struggling, Lord, you know, where peace is like nowhere to be found, Lord. Father, I pray that your truth that we have looked at today, that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. I pray that they know, will know that just that shalom and wholeness and flourishing and completeness are just a choice away. God, thank you that even in the midst of storms that, and difficulties, that things can be well, that things can be okay with our soul. In Jesus' name, amen.